Welcome back to Pod on You Loons, everyone. This is Sam. This is James, Pod on You Loons. And Jeremy, Pod on You Loons. Jeremy, welcome back. It's been a while. It has. You know, it's you know it's tough to get me here during football season, Sam. I know. That's why I had you on right before the NFL. And and that was what I sold you on when I was texting you. I was like, come on, you gotta come back on one more time because I know. Right. I know that as soon as the NFL starts, we're not going to see you for a while. I don't know what got you on this time. I think you were just so psyched from the playoff game that you're like, yeah, hell yeah, man. I'll, I'll come on. Well, you know, it's, it's a little bit lighter work week and I'm uh, stuck in the house. Everything that I do outside of my house is canceled. So why not jump on? You know, as long as you get me out of here before kickoff tonight, I'll be good. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> And I mean, you know, you happen to have him on the week after, you know, the day after the Colts beat the Packers. And there's now two of you here for me to tease. So thanks. Shut up, James. Thanks for being here. (laughs) I appreciate you guys. This is a soccer podcast. We're not talking about that. Yeah, we don't need to bring any more of that up. (laughs) Just leave it where it is. The Loons won three to nothing. All right. Dominant. Man. Yeah, that was that was incredible. Yeah, and we'll talk about it, you know, during the podcast. And to just go and just smash it like that, I think, really ruined a lot of uh, experts in inverted commas brackets when they'd all pick the rapids. So that was pretty nice. Well, hey, before we get going, just happy Thanksgiving to our American listeners, which is, let's face it, <laughs> that's most of you. <laughs> Not all of you. It's like ninety percent of you. Happy Thanksgiving to 90% of you. I I hope uh, whatever happens, I hope everyone is safe, everyone's healthy. We are not able to go anywhere for Thanksgiving. I was going to go. My daughter's daycare, gosh, they're they're wonderful, but there was a there was a little bit of COVID happening there. So they're closed down and we we're like, oh, perfect. Now we can quarantine for two weeks. We can we can go out, but about a week after my daughter's daycare closed, my wife and I started having cold symptoms, just mild stuff. So long story short, I'm now awaiting a test result. And either way, I'm not going out because still no one wants to have a cold because then they can't go to work. So yeah, hope my voice doesn't sound too nasally or anything because of the cold. No, you just, you sound much more manly than you normally do, Sam. So Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> all about being manly. Brilliant. We got Jeremy. You doing anything for Thanksgiving or? No, I. You know, we we've kind of made the decision with everything going on. Both me and my wife are are immunocompromised, so we have to be a little more careful than a lot of other people do. So I'm just do like a Zoom chat with my family, and then my wife's actually working. She's going to be doing like a. Thanksgiving like scavenger hunt type of thing for people at her job who maybe don't have family in the in in the city and they are going to be stuck at work so that they can kind of have some kind of celebration. Um, and we're doing our own, I mean, our own turkey and just kind of like our first own Thanksgiving, the two of us. So silver lining on everything, right? There you go. Nice. And football. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> we're, e- we're, we're each going to get to do our favorite pastime on Thursday. I'm going to watch football and, and she's going to drink. So it'll be. <laughs> <laughs> uh, awesome. 
what about you, James? I know, you know, clearly you're not celebrating Thanksgiving. So any plans for Thursday? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Nah, to be honest, just chilled. I'm catching up with a couple of friends on Friday, though, for dinner. Because our our COVID rules got slightly relaxed. um, So we can meet up with like a couple of people now. But nothing uh, nothing too extravagant. We have like a similar kind of holiday just at the start of December. We're just kind of do it, also doing like a virtual call for that as well. In, so. in the Netherlands? Yeah. What is that? Yeah, so it's called um, Sinterklaas. So it's basically like you do similar to like Secret Santa. So you kind of give a gift to someone in the family and it gets like secretly drawn out. And then you also write them a poem about how, how their year was basically. <laughs> this is going to be a dark ass Santa Claus. <laughs> it's just combing through, trying to find any positives that you can get out of it. You might want to just write a haiku or something. There's some nice, yeah. nice and simple, <laughs> no, nice and short. Yeah, but uh, well, at least at least yeah. we're all here. I was I was going to say, well, at least Tottenham still sucks, but like they're in first place right now. So <laughs> uh, don't talk about it. <laughs> twenty twenty, man. Hey, let's talk some let's talk some loons. We'll start off with a little news. Familiar name Christian Ramirez in the news. Last week, Adrian Heath was quoted within an interview with The Athletic saying some nice things about Christian Ramirez, which of course got everyone going, right? Christian Ramirez, fan favorite, even though he's been away from the loons for the past several years. Adrian Heath suggesting that he would perform well up top with this current group of loons. Got everyone thinking that he's coming back. I don't know. I don't know. What do you guys think? I mean, I saw a lot of hashtags on Twitter that was CR2021 uh, floating around at the end of last week. I don't know. To be honest, Christian Ramirez was a little bit before my time. But uh, yeah, I mean, we'll see, right? We'll see. But you've, you've heard about him, even though it's, he's yeah. before your time. That's how highly regarded he is in Loon's fandom. I mean, I think the fans would love it, obviously. I mean, it's sometimes, though, it's kind of like going using the Packer uh, cliche. It's like the uh, bring back Jordy stuff where it's like, now, granted, I know like Jordy's later in his career and all that stuff, but it's like, is Ramirez really a good enough upgrade or a big enough upgrade to like warrant wanting to bring him back so badly? Like, I don't think he would be anything more than probably a role player uh, on this team, given its current construction. Well, and I think that that's where he is at in his career. I Don't get me wrong. He, I mean, he's in his late 20s. I don't remember what age he is exactly. Probably like 28 or something like that. I'm not suggesting he's at the decline, but he is at that stage where we know what he is. And I don't think he is that lights out number nine. I think he's more the the backup striker that you have. And I think I think he could fulfill that role very well for Minnesota United. So if he was at the right price, I I'd take him back. I'd love to have I'd more than just take him back. I'd love to have him back if he came to us at the right price. I don't want to see Minnesota United going out and paying a lot of money for him. We sold him for a good chunk of change. And if we can get him back for a fraction of what we originally sold him for, and he can serve as a backup striker for us, that would be wonderful. I see him interact with Loons fans to this day online. 
So I know Minnesota has has a special spot in his heart, at least the way he sounds anyway. I can't speak for him, but if he wants to come back, I'd be psyched for that at the right price. Yeah, makes sense. I mean, you know, since he's left us, he hasn't exactly been banging in goals. Yeah, like you said, I'll see what we see what happens. I mean, the Dynamo finished last, right? But uh, speaking of rumors and getting the getting the old rumor mill churning, uh, Milan Pavkov uh, hit the rumor mill this week. A 26-year-old striker from Red Star Belgrade in Serbia, 20 goals and 54 appearances. Uh, it's not. Really a typical starting striker, but has scored two Champions League's goal Champions League goals against Liverpool. So that always endears into most of us. Sign him. Sign him. <laughs> Get him in. Let's go. Uh, he has 23 goals and 33 appearances for another Serbian first division club uh, while he was on loan. And he has one cap for the Serbian national team that ended with him being sent off for a red card. <laughs> so... You know, nothing to write home about there. Yeah, I mean, this is also just a rumor. We don't know if he'd be a DP, whether it be Tam, whether it's a loan. This is really just... Is this the second coming of Reynoso? Is this... <laughs> gonna, are we? Is this someone else we can talk about well, for like six months? We'll sign him three years from now. And <laughs> <laughs> I think part of what took Reynoso so long, though, was just the COVID and everything surrounding COVID and... I also think that Boca Juniors wasn't totally motivated to sell Reynoso. I think that they were happy with Reynoso on the team and they're like, you can have him, but for a price. And I think that that really prolonged negotiations. I like that Minnesota United is linked to another player for a, a globally famous club, Red Star Belgrade. We've talked about Red Star Belgrade on this show Right when Nate uh, came on and assigned us assigned us homework and made us read a book and do a little book club on on the microphone, we did an entire chapter on Red Star Belgrade. So this is a famous club, yeah. Someone that's lined up against Liverpool and scored two goals, you know that they're at at least a certain caliber that would make a good splash for Minnesota United if this is indeed true. But is like in terms of like the Serbian first division, isn't Red Star Belgrade sort of like the team in that division and every and then there's everyone else or Yeah, that and Partizan. Th- yeah, is that how I say it, James? Partizan? Uh I believe so. I would have to check that. <laughs> but I yeah, mean, there's there's essentially only two teams. So I, I mean know. like when you see twenty three goals and thirty three appearances, I mean a lot of those goals are probably being scored on lesser competition little little sisters of the poor but that was when he was on one of those teams that was when he was on loan well that's what i'm saying though he was on one of those other clubs he wasn't on red star that's what you're saying so for red star he had 20 goals and 54 appearances got it for the other club he had 23 goals in 33 appearances which yes he's probably playing against as uh Brett Bielema famously said about about uh, certain college football conferences, he was probably playing against Little Sisters of the Poor, but <laughs> he also would have been on a team that would have been considered Little Sisters of the Poor. So, Yeah, and as good as my pronunciation is, I'm not going to try. <laughs> or, or no, the, the team he was loaned to. 
Yeah, the team that he was loaned to. I mean, yeah, we'll. I mean, we'll see, right? Like, because they, I think, first place plays in the Champions League, so like they clearly they're, they're no slouches to get a club in the Champions League and then at least one club in uh, the the Europa League or two, maybe. Like well, and what's Serbia's national team typically ranked? I mean, they're decent. I know that I know that they're decent, but James usually has like rankings to pull up. Uh, they're currently thirtieth. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. So to know. be capped to be capped by the thirtieth ranked team in the world, that's. I mean, he he also got sent off for a tackle on Leroy Sane. So, <laughs> really, <laughs> doing the Liverpool dirty. I, th- I think it's going to be interesting because I mean we'll get into the discussion later, but it's like what. Are we looking for in a striker? You know, because at the moment we're playing Robin Ludd and it seems to be going pretty well. (laughs) So is striker really the position that we want to keep hunting for? Well, unless Amaria is the guy. Yeah. If Amaria is the guy, then no. But. Robin Lud is not going to go into next year as the starting striker. Robin Lud is going to go into next year as the starting right winger, not the starting striker. We need a real striker. This is fun and cute right now, and it's working, so <laughs> we'll get to it later, but we should keep rolling these dice. But let's, let's not get silly about it. Yeah, I mean, you know, at the end of the day, every, you know, every good team has a talisman striker who bangs in goals. Um, and at the moment, we just simply don't have one. Or we don't have one that's performing anyway. Well, and I, I also, though, kind of piggybacking off what you said, I mean, it kind of seems like we might be looking for a defensive mid as well. Alonso's not getting any younger. But that's and where Hassani fits in. I know you love Dotson, but I don't know that that's necessarily the the answer. Why? I'm, I'm sold on Dotson. I, he's I, I filled think- in just fine. Defensive midfield, Ozzy's been hurt on and off all season, and center mid has not been an issue for us, whether it's been Hassani Dotson filling in or or even Ja'Cory Hayes has filled in just fine. I, I don't see any reason to think that Hassani Dotson is not the guy going forward. I also think that there there's certain situations where a player like Dotson plays sort of a more hybrid type of role, and so if he's just pigeonholed into that, position that does take away a strength of what Dotson provides which is pretty much the backup to everybody and so like that's also part of that thinking is that like maybe you just have Dotson as your super sub because he can he's going to start somewhere probably because there's always somebody out or on duty or whatever so that's kind of also that thinking there may I mean mainly it's mainly not really a referendum on Dotson as it is on it's just Ozzy's Ozzy's kind of seeing the end of the rope yeah I definitely agree that the time to start planning for life after Ozzy if it hasn't already started in the planning stages it has to now that's not saying he's done he's washed up get him out of here give him a job on Fox News or not Fox News um give him a job on <laughs> give him a job on FS1 and, uh, on Fox News <laughs> <laughs> uh, he had he had ten games this season actually. So, like, do I think we're going to get another twenty six or so games out of him next year? 
I don't know. I don't think so. But I agree with you. I think Hassani's kind of fine to to take over and yeah, if we if Heath decides that it's not, then we'll just go and find someone else. Now, one person that doesn't look like he's going anywhere is Kevin Molino, whose contract is up after this season in the post game. And of course, Kevin Molino scored two goals in our win against Colorado Rapids. But in the post game, when asked about Kevin Molino, Adrian Heath mentioned that Minnesota United is in close to securing a contract extension with Molino and that he wants to keep the trio of Reynoso, Lud, and Molino together for years to come. So <laughs> we're, we're psyched about that. Molino is 30, which as a 33-year-old, it's hard for me to say this, but Molino is getting older too, but <laughs> obviously he has some years left. And I am I'm psyched to hear that that contract negotiation is going just fine. Makes me wonder about Ethan Finlay, though, because Ethan Finlay's contract is also set to expire soon. And so we'll we'll see what... Notice how Heath did not include Finlay's name in that statement. I personally, I really, I really hope that the team finds a way to make things work out for Ethan Finlay to continue. But I can understand that this is all a business. He has an expensive contract and Ethan He's Finlay also- might be on the way out. We'll see. He's also 30. Yeah. Well, and I also think that, I mean, I was like, we're going to get into kind of what's going to happen come the second round here. Where does Finlay, I mean, is Finlay even going to get the start in, in our next playoff game? You know I mean? Like, is there's a chance you move load back to, to the wing and uh, you start Kai and Finley would probably be the odd man out in that situation. I mean, I'm not saying that's what they should do or that's what they will do, but I think that, you know, when you look at not just this year, but moving forward, like sometimes something has to give, right? And so, like, the way Lode has been playing, he's become indispensable. And so that could be at the at the detriment of Finlay. Yeah, and I mean, I think Adrian kept trying to start Lod on the left and Finlay on the right, but Lod just just so much better on the right. And the problem is, is now you now have two players who are good who play on the right. Yeah, and the only thing I would add to that is a lot of Lud playing on the left was when Reynoso wasn't on the team yet. So yeah. Molino more or less had to be the 10. And if you wanted your best players on the field, you had to find a way for Lud and Finley to both be on the field with Molino. Now with Reynoso, you have four quality attacking midfield players for three spots. So you have more room to say, okay, Finlay, we're going to start you on the bench. We're going to start Lud outright. You have more room to say that. I don't think that if you were trying to play all your best players on the field back before Reynoso came in, that you had many more attractive options than playing Finlay on the right and Lud on the left because Finlay was producing, right? Finlay, Finlay had multiple yeah. games where he scored a brace. Well, and I don't think, sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I don't think it's even like a, uh, any of it's even like a shot at Finlay. Really? I, I just, it almost is more of a, a nod to load and, and how he's 
sort of handled himself moving forward, right? I think that it's kind of funny we're in this situation because think about the way this year has gone and how shorthanded we seem to have been all year long. And now we're right in the playoffs, right at the end of the year, and we're talking about our amazing depth. So it's kind of it's kind of interesting how the, the world has changed. Yeah, and I mean, our, our injury list is still not short. Like, <laughs> you know, still a long list, but I think we... I think you still got to keep Ethan Finlay, right? Like you have one injury or something that happens in that front four and you're just playing Finlay or he's coming off the bench every game. Yeah. And like, we got to remember too, last year, Ethan Finlay would not have been considered one of the just everyday starting 11. Every game that he's healthy, he's starting. Ethan Finlay wasn't even that guy last year. It's just been, I, I again, I think with the delayed signing of Reynoso, he kind of became that for us. And it, it helps that he always plays really well for us. But even though he's been starting a lot more this year than he had in the past, he was still playing quite a few games last year, even though he wasn't technically one of our first 11. For that reason, I hope... I hope our front office finds a way to bring Finlay back, even if they don't see him as the starter going forward. Now that Lud has more or less established himself on the right, I hope they they still bring him back because I think he does he does still play a valuable role as far as providing our team with valuable depth and serving the team in a role where he can make an appearance in almost every game and make an impact off the bench or even start when the time calls. Well, it, it kind of just comes down to money, right? I mean, it kind of just comes down to what, what the team thinks its needs are in the off season and what they can afford to spend those on. You know, you kind of, you talked about striker, right? So if, if Kai's gone and Amaria, we don't know if we need to bring at least one more striker in, you know, that's probably the case. So that's an expense. Even though I'm the only one on this podcast who thinks that I think we need to bring in a defensive mid. Um, you know, so it's it's kind of like, do we need another defender? Probably not, but maybe. You know, I, and I don't know whose contracts are up and all that stuff. I mean, you're a lot more in tune with that than I am. But, you know, just kind of, it's. I think it's all going to come down to that. Like, he's a nice piece for sure. But if it comes down to money, that might be the one piece we can afford to let go, unfortunately. Yeah, and just a side note before we move on to talk about the game against Colorado. James, I don't know if you saw, but Justin just texted us a picture of the beautiful Arizona sunset. Justin is in Arizona. That's why Jeremy's filling in for him tonight. So, Jeremy, it's great to have you in. (laughs) Justin, screw you. And uh, let's move on to our 3-0 win against Colorado, our first playoff win as an MLS team. I hope Justin gets sunburned. <laughs> <laughs> so we had a pregame poll. When the Loons win Sunday night, so I, I predicted right. I didn't think so. <laughs> there we go. When the Loons win Sunday night, which Loon do you predict has an uptick in Jersey sales? And I, I did add the note. I said, we can only have four options, and Molino and Finlay have already given fans plenty of reasons to impulsively buy their jersey. So 
That was liked by Ethan Finlay's dad, so I'm not the only one, James, that's getting <laughs> random Twitter likes by players' dads. <laughs> getting the dad support. I mean, hey, I even managed to get this week uh, Instagram likes from uh, Robin Lodd, so we're stepping up in the world. I hope you get sunburn. <laughs> <laughs> but the three choices I offered were Reynoso, Lud, Dane St. Clair, and then I, I offered the option of other and said, right below who you think it'll be. So no surprise, 53% of the vote went to Emmanuel Reynoso, who did have two assists plus another secondary assist. So credited for three assists total. We had three goals. So I'd say he had a pretty good game. <laughs> Just casually, another, another three assists. Yep. Robin Lud had 29% of the vote. He, of course, he scored our second goal, So, which we'll get to that later. That was a, that was a great goal. And then Dane St. Clair got 0% of the vote, but other got 18%. So Dane St. Clair, no love for Dane St. Clair, even though he was about to get a clean sheet. We'll talk in a little bit about if that clean sheet was all him or if it was more of the defense, but other got 18% with specific mentions for Ozzy Alonso and Ethan Finlay. And then other people that voted other just didn't say anything. So we have no idea what they were thinking. But <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. Yeah, I, I mean, all three of the players I put up there for people to pick from, they all, they all put out a good performance. I, I got to say, though, I'm disappointed at the 0% for DSC. Like, the guy was our, like, third string keeper, and he's had now his seventh clean sheet i think and he's still getting zero percent of the votes that's rough man is it is it just because like who really wants a goalkeeper's jersey is that what it comes down to <laughs> like we're, we, we're gonna talk about we're gonna mention that a little bit later as well <laughs> you know i don't know like i never even think about the keeper when i'm thinking about like a player i might want for my jersey i totally voted renault so i as being a more casual fan when he is in the game, the loons are more fun to watch. Plain and simple, he's a ton of fun to watch. So that's where my vote landed. Yeah, I mean, as the president of the World <laughs> Robin Lud fan club, uh, it was always going to be Robin Lud <laughs> for me personally. Well, you are that hurts. One. I know, I've already got one. So it's, <laughs> I mean, that hurts, man. I was a high school goalkeeper. You know, it, <laughs> it hurts the goalkeepers get no love. I don't think I knew I that, James. That. You were a goalkeeper? Yeah. I started as a striker, uh, and then our regular team goalie uh, got injured, so I moved to goalkeeper, and then when he came back, he was bench warming. Huh. Known you for like eight years, and I'm just learning this now. Yeah. So we need to give goalkeepers more love, people. That's, <laughs> that's, the, that's the key takeaway. I'm sure. Go figure. I think that, like, by law, too, like... If you uh, play, if you play football in England, that you're part of some professional division. So you probably played in like the 14th league of whatever, <laughs> even in high school. But he wasn't in England. He was in Australia. No, I, was in, I was in Australia. Oh. Australia. Oh, then he probably Australia. Played, then you probably played for the national team then. So. <laughs> Ouch! Hey, hey! At least we make World Cups. Oh, 
and yeah because you have to play like tuvalu in your qualifiers yeah. <laughs> no we were, genuinely we always get like trounced by uruguay was why we didn't make it like three times in a row <laughs> anyway should we talk about this game let's talk about our lineup yeah so we had four internationals that we have been complaining for like the past several episodes that <laughs> they weren't going to be able to play well, they were, or at least almost all of them. So they had PJs flying them back. PJs, Justin taught me that. It means private jet. And Justin's a cool guy, so I'm going to use his cool lingo. PJs bringing these guys back in. <laughs> and uh, Ramon Metinair, his PJ must not have been fast enough because Ramon Metinair did not make it back in time. But the other three did. Jan Gregish made it back. Robin Lud made it back. Kai Kamara made it back, but was not in the starting lineup. And that was not because of a gentleman's agreement. Adrian Heath had confirmed a couple of days before the game when he was asked if the gentleman's agreement that kept Kai Kamara from playing against Colorado late in the regular season, if that was still in place, he just mentioned no, because it cost me too much money the last time. So Heath must have gotten fined for being a gentleman. I don't know. Kai Kamara was available, did not start. When do you want to run me through the starting lineup? Sure. As a side note, though, in the UK, PJs means pajamas. So that's... <laughs> that's what it means here, too. It means that okay. to everyone, apparently, except for Justin. <laughs> <laughs> except for Justin. Excellent. So lineup. Obviously, we had DSC in goal. Uh, back four was Dodson, Boxy, Debussy, and Chase Gaspar. Gregush and Hairston. Uh, f- and then, obviously, the, the front four. Finlay, Reynoso, Molino, with Lod leading the line. Yeah, when you have four stellar attacking midfielders for only three spots, just let one of them play striker. It's worked now twice, so. And then we, we start with the first half. Yeah, a little bit of a disorganized defense at the start. At least one very dangerous moment saved by Dane St. Clair, which Dane St. Clair would later say was what he considered the most important save of the day for him, just in the sense that it got him going, it got him started. But Minnesota United was able to pick up soon after that. Yeah, in the 21st minute, a goal by Molino, assisted by Reynoso. So it was nice to jump up to that one nothing lead fairly early and at least kind of have the momentum early in the game. Yeah, and I mean, you know, after that, almost straight after that 30th minute, really... Really should have been 2-0. I mean, like, if Reynoso hadn't have scored, like last week or the week before, a couple weeks ago, I would have said that he would have been cursed to have missed this shot because some really just genuinely beautiful interplay leads up to Reynoso almost just having to side foot it into an empty net and uh, manages to bang it off the post and get clear. And... Yeah, the commentators were like, he'll be haunted, haunted by that miss. Would there have been like a cliche, like, you know, in FIFA, when they have just the same commentary that goes over like every, every play. Yeah. Was there like a cliche FIFA line that would have been said for just a awful miss? I I didn't Um, play, I didn't play enough FIFA. I really only played FIFA when I lived with Jeremy and I played way too much FIFA (laughs) back then, but (laughs) I mean, I grew uh, up with time. I grew up with pro Evo soccer. Uh, with pro Evo soccer, oh, so. of course you did. 
<laughs> I didn't really play that much FIFA at all. God, you're stereotypical. <sighs> I know, I'm sorry. <laughs> FIFA nerds. I was more of a football manager guy. Of course you were. I, I played a lot of football manager when I was growing up. Hours. Yeah, I kind of want to get into that game, but I don't want my wife to leave me. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a tough compromise. Uh, it's tough. Yeah. And then 36th minute. Oh, my boy. Oh, my boy, Robin Lud. He absolutely almost had, may have been goal of the season. Yeah, uh, bend it like Beckham. Like, it was almost amazing. He hit that so hard. I like, I, could, I swear I could hear the advertising board rattle from, from here. From, from all the way across the ocean, he smashed that so hard. And yeah, just, it just flew wide. But, you know, we looked really good. We had a disappointing start, but suddenly we were just totally on fire. Renoso's just, you know, back heels and flicks and just finding open space. And I think the really amazing thing that I found was that a couple of times in defense, he was back in defense as well. Like he was covering that kind of right back area and then using that ball to push forward as well and like bring it back into attack. Well, it, it just seemed like whenever, whenever Reynoso is on, on the pitch, it just seems like there's danger that can happen, right? Like it just, it feels like just one pass away from somebody breaking through and, and I think that, like, I would say at the end of the first half, it was nice because we felt like we were in control. But I've just watched too many Loons games this year, and I was, I was feeling a little, a little uneasy. Only up one nothing. <laughs> like I, I kind of felt like, you know, like you talked about the, uh, you talked about the Reynoso miss. I felt like had Colorado came back and won like two to one, that that miss would have been played over and over and over again <laughs> like it you know truly like haunted all loons fans so luckily though we didn't have to worry about that <laughs> no but uh so yeah we go into halftime it's one nil up and then basically we start the second half exactly the same way we started the first half yeah 46 minute debasi comes in he's the hero saves a goal 51st minute Gregish has to slide in and save the day. Things are looking a little bit shaky for that defense at the start of the second half. And this is why, yes, Dane St. Clair gets credited with that clean sheet. But but I hope he bought Debassi and Gregish a drink because <laughs> they definitely contributed towards that. Yeah, I mean, that slide in from Gregish was just clutch because that was basically an open goal. Well, and um, that sort of turned the game. I mean, really, I mean, yes, we're already up one nothing, but then look what happens four minutes later. Yeah, it's the old, it's the old standard. Renoso to Lod, Lod's on the top of the eighteen, and the commentator said it: you don't let Robin Lod cut back in on his left foot and take a shot at goal. You push him to his right foot. You make him go like down outside the box, something. Lod cuts in on the left foot, curls it into the corner, and we're 2-0 up. And looking good. We were already looking good at that point. Yeah, looking great. 67th minute, Kamara comes on for Finlay. So it was good to see Kai Kamara. I know he was disappointed that he didn't get to play against his former team in the regular season because of the gentleman's agreement. So good to see him on the field. 
he comes on 67th minute for Ethan Finlay. Yeah, and then Molino, 79th minute, he knocks in the third goal, and that pretty much that pretty much ended it right there. That was pretty much the nail in the coffin. And really nice, um, a really nice controlled goal by Molino, just up and over the goalkeeper. He made the goalkeeper commit and then just lofted it into the goal. So good goal there. And I think some of my favorite commentating uh, was around that goal when they were saying it could have been Molino, it could have been Lod, <laughs> and the Rapids defending was optional at best, <laughs> was the uh, was the quote. Because they were so far open in the box. It was ridiculous. Uh, yeah. And then, so with 3-0 up, we're really good value. Uh, we get some late subs. Aussie comes on for Hairston in the 80th minute. Uh, Hayes comes on for Reynoso in the 83rd minute. Uh, and, you know, I think, you know, bring them on late. You know, we know they must be getting somewhat closer to fully fit. Yeah, that that was what I took from it. Obviously, if Ozzy is healthy, he's probably in the starting 11. So we know he must not be fully fit. Hayes, even if he is fully fit, wouldn't necessarily be in the starting 11, though he had been starting ahead of Hairston who did start this game. Hopefully this means considering that our next game is going to be on December 1st or 2nd. So that is over a week of rest time. Hopefully that means that those guys will be ready to go by the first or the second. And as we mentioned before, just that we've been struggling, we've been struggling with a thin lineup all season long. We might actually have some depth. We might actually have some choices for Adrian Heath to make. Well, and I actually think, Sam, I think that you might not see Ozzy start anymore, or at least not the rest of this season. I think what you're going to use him as is that he might be an early second half sub and a guy who, if we have a one goal lead, you know, or a two goal lead, you can feel really confident and real confident back there as the veteran that's going to help bring us to the finish line, right? So I could see that being the way they use him as opposed to putting him out there early and then having him not be able to finish the game. So a closer. Yeah, essentially. Oh, sweet. And I just wanted to kind of take a, take a moment to do a, a quick take on um, Kai Kamara. You know, fifth all-time MLS scorer. But I guess, you know, having watched since he came in via transfer... Like, the question is, like, do we do we actually need him? Like, what does he bring to our team? Because I, I just don't see it, like, personally. Uh, the, uh, the only thing, which is, like, the only thing, which is really quite good, is that when he's on, you know, everyone knows he scores a lot of goals. Everyone knows he scored a lot of goals. So... When you look at it, he takes on a lot of marking and kind of draws in defenders. And you see it with our third goal perfectly, right? He draws in a couple of defenders. Suddenly we have two guys sitting at the back of the box with no one on them. But like the amount of times that I watch and he like doesn't really get the ball or he is just in the wrong place at the wrong time. Like, I don't know, guys. Like, what, what do you guys think? Like, do we do we keep hold of him or did we just get him because... Like he's a big name or... I mean, I think they got him because we were in desperate need of striker help at the time. <laughs> you know, and we were talking about... There there was a... 
one of the episodes I was listening there that you guys were talking about guys that they just signed from like the uh, some like Rainer. defunct league that's not playing anymore that they grabbed a couple players. Defunct from. team, not defunct league, but yeah. <laughs> defunct team. So like, I mean, I think in terms of like moving forward, first off, I'm going to be really disappointed if he's in the starting lineup against Sporting KC. I, I don't think he, does, he should be. I think they just keep what, what's working and go forward with that. But I think what he does offer us is, you know, a legitimate scoring threat. So say we're down one nothing, two nothing, and you have to bring on an extra striker. I think he offers that to to us, which we didn't have really before. And I don't know how, from what I hear around the Minnesota United fan base, is that I don't think people are really expecting Kai Kamara came in as a long term option. He's more of a rent a player. If he ends up sticking around for a while and serves in more of a backup role, kind of as we talked about with Christian Ramirez, I think that that's fine. But he's not displaying to me that he is a starting striker simply because where are the goals, right? Like when, when you have Adrian Heath saying Christian Ramirez, a player that we moved on from, would be doing quite well with this lineup. Where are the goals? That's a striker's job. They're supposed to bring in the goals. Where are they? And I think we are to the point, and I'm, I'm not writing Kai Kamara off. He is still Kai Kamara. But we, we saw that. He, he had a little bit of a breakaway, and he just didn't seem as dangerous as, say, when Luis Amaria did the same thing in the MLS's back tournament before he was done for the year. Striker's got to look dangerous, and he's not looking dangerous. And he can still be there, right place at the right time, connect at the end of some crosses, things like that. But I want to see him step up a little bit. And as Jeremy said, and we'll get to this in a little bit, but I'm not expecting to see him in the starting lineup next game. No, I'm, I'm not either, to be honest. And yeah, I know it's been a COVID year and it's been like a bit of a mess up and everything, but you know, he's coming off consecutive 14 goal seasons. And this year in total, he, without the MLS's back tournament, uh, he has scored only four goals in the regular season. So, I mean, just the output isn't there. I agree. Like, coming off the bench, like, I think he adds another dynamic, but it's not, it's more like a distraction dynamic, right? Like, you're, you're bringing in people because of how good you, you have been and how dominant you've been. You know, you're not fifth all-time on the MLS scoring charts because you're a slouch in front of goal, but I just don't think he's showing that same attacking prowess at the moment. Well, and taking taking that piece, taking, you know, this maybe small negative about that player to the fact that we now are talking about the most dominant team, right, in this MLS tournament. Like, if you look around what's been going on in this round – one one draws going into penalty kicks all that stuff not us man we took care of business so they might as well just give us the trophy now right <laughs> <laughs> oh we still we still we still got a couple of uh, we still got a couple of games to play in round 1 but i was also called out on twitter this week about being a euro snob <laughs> who doesn't like playoffs wasn't that me and i can didn't i say that <laughs> 
There was also someone else. There was also someone else. <laughs> Wasn't it really? But um, <laughs> was that me? Yeah. The the thing about it is though, like this first round has been insane. <laughs> yeah, and we'll we'll talk about it a little bit further further down as well. But like it has been just amazing football and controversial in some aspects all around. But yeah, like we we just dominated basically like we so far are the only team that really just took care of it and dealt with it and moved on but if i'm adrian heath i am still furious about how the first 10 to 15 minutes of a half is going yeah and there's probably a very not safe for work version of what his speeches are going to be but if I'm Adrian Heath and we're doing recovery, you know, and looking at tape and all that kind of stuff on Monday, Tuesday, all I'm doing is focusing on the first 10, 15 minutes of each half being like, what is happening? Why are we letting in so many opportunities? Why are they almost scoring? Like it's, we're not going to win a championship. If for 30 out of the 90 minutes, our defense looks garbage. Well, let's look into Round two coming up. We're traveling to Kansas City, and it'll be on December 1st or 2nd. And Kansas City, believe it or not, one of the many stadiums you would have seen around the league, hosting a decent amount of fans in the stands. It's it's definitely not going to be the intimidating Children's Mercy Park or whatever they call it. It's, it's not going to be the cauldron that it normally is. But we're going to Kansas City December 1st or 2nd. Just a recap on, I was surprised. It was only three games that we actually <laughs> played against them, I think, because <laughs> we had two that were canceled. Yeah. But in 2020, we played them three times already. July 12th in the MLS's back tournament, we won in just dramatic fashion to one. Probably had no business beating them, but we did. <laughs> Would have been lucky to draw, but we won. August 21st, shortly after the regular season came back, lost 2-1 to one at home. And then September 12th, another loss, 1-0 away. Now, with that said, you, you know, I just talked about two losses and a win that should have been a loss. But I, I actually like our chances going in because Sporting Kansas City has been quite inconsistent throughout the MLS regular season. And I think that this this game that they just barely squeaked out against San Jose Earthquakes, I think that this is a good example because Sporting Kansas City almost didn't survive a just epic 97th minute equalizer by the one and only Chris Wondolowski of, of San Jose Earthquakes. If you haven't seen this yet, it I mean, it, it was a cross and a, and a header, right? Like it's it's not like it was just the most epic goal scored of all time, but just the dramatic fashion that it, in which it occurred and knowing that this could be Wando's last game ever and that this could have just allowed his team to advance and knock off the one seed. That was awesome. That was yeah. so awesome. And things go into extra time. Neither team scores. And then you have a very, very unique set of penalty kicks man i 
genuinely have never seen anything like that penalty shootout. You know, and we so we talked earlier about Kai Kamara's fifth on the all-time. Wondo is number one all-time MLS goal scorer. And what makes that part crazy is that SKC only scored in like the 92nd minute to even go ahead. But against the penalty kicks, Tim Malia of SKC saves all three shots from San Jose while SKC score three goals and just advance just like that. Just the, the man gets right every single time. I was watching it and it was just the, the craziest thing to watch. Have either of you yeah. seen anything like that where a team misses three shots in a row? Nope. Because apparently it's only happened one other time in the history of the MLS. And that was in the U.S. Open Cup in 2010 when Chicago Fire lost to USL team Charleston Battery on penalty kicks 3-0 to zero in that 2010 Open Cup. And of course goalkeeper for Charleston, none other than Tim Melia, who was on loan from Real Salt Lake at the time. So we haven't seen this happen ever, but Tim Melia has had it happen to him twice. <laughs> Another crazy yeah. stat, Tim Melia has never, as a professional, lost a penalty kick shootout. That's crazy. Yeah, like, it's... <laughs> I don't really have any words. Like, I think... If you're like, I know goalkeepers do like all kinds of crazy things, like researching kind of where people have taken penalties. They even write stuff on the water bottle. Like they'll have a list of names on the water bottle sometimes when they've gone left or right before or where all these things are going. But to not only do it once, but twice. That's it's just crazy, man. That's yeah, respect. That, what else can you say? Yeah, and I mean, to be scared like that by the eighth seed that you have to go to penalties and then just totally dominate penalties, you, you, you get kind of frightened up to this point and then you just totally dominate it and you relax a little bit. But I agree. I think that we, we stand a good chance because they didn't really look that good. No, they did not. And they may have Alan Polito back. He was listed as questionable going into this game against San Jose. so. Maybe he's close to coming back and he'll be ready for round two, which is still over a week away. Now, he hasn't played since October 29th due to an MCL injury. So if he does come back, I don't know if he'll be 100%. But I think Justin and I, we had kind of like a jinx situation where we gave our we gave our Alan Polito analysis. Alan Polito is good. So if, if he's back and if he's playing like Alan Polito... That is a force to reckon with, but if he's not back and if he's not, or if he is back and he's not playing like his old self, sport the Sporting Kansas City you saw against San Jose doesn't seem that scary. Well, and you know, the last time we met, you know, you talked about the three games, right? And But the last time we saw them was September 12th. We're a much different team than we were in, in September. I mean, I feel like we're healthier. I feel like we're maybe kind of finding our identity a little bit. I think that, you know, Reynoso is really kind of settling in and, and really like 
opening things up offensively for us. And I think that maybe that really wasn't the case earlier in the season when we, when we played them, I don't think we've had a just really stable lineup and not that we even have one now. I mean, it's still in flux, but I feel (laughs) like some things are getting figured out. I like our chances against them as well. And I think even if Polito plays, I mean, he's not going to play 90 minutes, not being out for that long. He just won't have the fitness. Yeah, and Jeremy, I remember it was probably the last time you were on the show and Emmanuel Reynoso was just, his deal was just starting to be finalized. And you were talking about how going into the year, how excited you were about the lineup and how you were kind of disappointed with the season because you never got to see that just full strength lineup. And Luisa Maria, we don't have him back. Right, we we don't have them back. Maybe next year, but we're not getting Luis Amaria or anything close to Luis Amaria in time for round two against Sporting Kansas City. But with Met Nair back on his PJ and Ozzy having another week of recovery, we could have the closest thing we've had to a full strength lineup since the start of the season, and maybe even better than the start of the season, considering we have Emmanuel Reynoso. So. That leads to this question, what lineup do you think we roll out against Sporting Kansas City? And let's skip the goalkeeper, right? We know it's going to be Dane St. Clair. Knock on wood, nothing crazy happens. It should be Dane St. Clair. And knock on wood, hopefully our defense is Ramon Metinair, Michael Boxall, Baki Debasi, and Chase Gasper. Knock on wood, hopefully nothing weird happens there. But what do we do with the midfield as far as Ozzy's return and Dotson and then with, with our more offensive players, do we continue to roll with Robin Lode up top? What do you guys think? So I'll be I'll be simple and straightforward. I think that we run with the same lineup with the exception of Metinair in for Dotson. And I think you use Dotson as your super sub, as your guy who's going to come in. You know, he's just going to come in at some point, whether it be as a defensive sub, whether it be for Hairston in the mid, whatever it might be. And I think you just roll with, with what... I mean, you just won 3 nothing and pretty much dominated, so why change it? Yeah, I mean, I agree. I think you switch out, yeah, Dodson for um, Metnair, and you roll with the same three up front. Like, you, you, you're just you're dominating things at the moment, and you've scored six goals in the last two games with Molino scoring four of them, <laughs> Renoso and Lod scoring one each, and... Renoso has what five assists in the last two games, so don't mess with the system. The system is clearly working. We're clearly scoring a lot of goals. I agree with rolling with our offensive options, and I agree with Ramon Metnair starting on the right. I don't agree with starting Hairston over Dotson. Assuming you want to keep Ozzy on the bench, you're playing Dotson in that six. I mean, I I have no issue with that. I. And and Harrison, I guess, has the same kind of versatility as Dotson. Like, I look at it more from a strategic perspective. I don't think the plane of Dotson is such a higher level than Harrison that, like, you can afford to give up the versatility of Dotson coming in in any number of situations. I mean, Dotson can pretty much come in anywhere on the pitch and be a sub. And so, like, 
God forbid we have an injury or we have like, it's just, you know, you're only moving one piece instead of moving two. I don't know. That's just the way I see it. But I mean, you're right. I don't think if you put Dotson in there instead of Harrison, I mean, no worries. That's fine. Well, I think it was the most recent episode when we were talking about lineups. Adrian Heath is pretty predictable. Now the rub and load at striker for these <laughs> games, that got me by a surprise. But typically, Adrian Heath isn't hard to figure out how he's going to set his lineup. We know how Adrian Heath feels about Hassani Dotson. We know how he values him. Hassani Dotson is starting ahead of Hairston, assuming health for both of them. You're you're probably right. All right, guys, I got a jet. So uh, I'm going to let you guys finish it up here. But uh, I just want to say pot on you loons before I go. And uh, I will uh, see you guys next time. Yeah, thanks for coming on, Jeremy. Pot on you loons. Sounds good, mate. Thanks very much. Pot on you loons. Well, hey, man, back to just the two of us. So Jeremy, by, by the way, if our longtime listeners of the show will know this, Jeremy comes to us courtesy of my franchise, Fantasy Football. That is a podcast dedicated to NFL and fantasy NFL football. And I'm a big fan of it because while I like the footballers and I like Matthew Barry, a lot of people listen to those guys. And if you want to hear from someone who is still an expert, Jeremy, Jeremy knows his stuff. I lived with him for three years. He knows his stuff about fantasy football. He knows way more about fantasy football than I know about anything. And if, if you want to hear a voice that the other people in your league probably haven't heard from, give Jeremy a try. I left his Twitter handle in the show notes. Give it a look because, and he'll, he'll say this himself, he's not as polished as Matthew Barry is. He doesn't have a professional producer, but he knows stuff that other people in your league don't know about. And if you want to know those things, give him a listen. I think, I think you should listen a little more, Sam, by the fact that I'm beating you this week in fantasy. James. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Get some burn. I know. <laughs> should we do a playoff update, though? Yeah, let's do a playoff update. This has been a crazy MLS playoffs. Wow. There is so much to unpack, and we're, like, only halfway through the first round, basically. We're just over halfway through. Let's start with the West. Because West is best. Uh, well, we already know. Sporting Kansas City, the one seed, hosting us, Minnesota yeah. United, as the fourth seed. So we already talked about that. Uh, the other side of the draw is FC Dallas, which is crazy. Uh, and they, yeah, they knocked off Portland. They Sorry, Nate. Sorry, Nate. <laughs> I saw Nate on Twitter being like, this is the most stressful I felt like ever. <laughs> Something was his tweet. Uh, and they're against the winner of Seattle and LAFC. But man, the FC Dallas game against the Timbers just. So it's one all after regulation. Dallas scores in the 92nd minute. So all of these late goals happening, playoff drama. Portland then hit the post in the 122nd minute in the last kick of the game, like a curling effort that just bounces off the post and then goes out, whistles, whistles, blows, is done. We go to penalties. 15 penalties in a row go in. 
Which... So the the anti sporting Kansas City San Jose <laughs> earthquakes, <laughs> the anti other game, and then yeah, the major upset, Portland. I can't remember who the penalty kick taker was, but he missed going to the goalkeeper's left. And they were saying in 2016, he missed going to the goalkeeper's right. So he's now missed twice in playoffs to knock his team out, which really sucks uh, as a player. Yeah, that's not fun. No, major upset though. You know, Portland won the MLS's back tournament. They had a really good season, and then and then they're out, and suddenly this whole bracket kind of takes on a whole different shift about how it's going to be, and I'm I'm pretty sure that totally ruined all sport commentators' playoff brackets because I think everyone had Portland going through, and I think you know Portland were the same as us; uh, they had no fans in their stadium, and the commentators were saying that. You know, apart from you know, the other two games that went to penalties, it's really a totally different atmosphere. Like, you walk to the net, you're going to take this penalty in an opposing stadium, and there's no Timbers army, there's no people yelling at you, there's none of this kind of stuff. It's just, it's all silence. And I, I, I agree with commentators. Like, it's just a totally different atmosphere when you're not in, like, the fortress that is the enemy the opposing team's stadium. I think if you have no fans, it really brings a different different feeling to penalty shootouts. But yeah, what an epic. Yeah, and it sets up the possibility that if we advance against Sporting Kansas City, a team that we keep having to play this year, <laughs> we could have to play FC Dallas, another team that we keep having to play this year. And maybe, Ooh. maybe if we make it to the final, maybe we meet Columbus Crew. Another team we keep having to play this year. So the interesting point of that is that if we played Dallas, we would host because we're the higher seed. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And, you know, on the east side of things, it's not likely, right? It's not likely that should we keep advancing that an MLS final would take place at Allianz Field but the possibility is still there. So let, let's look at the East because number three, Columbus does advance and they will play the winner of either number two seed Toronto or I'm assuming number seven seed Nashville. And then Orlando who advanced in just crazy fashion will play the winner of the one seed Philadelphia against the eighth seed New England Revolution. Yeah, so I think both playing games in the East pretty much went down how it was supposed to go. Seven beat ten, eight beat nine. Nashville had a three nil win. They looked they looked pretty dominant as well. But yeah. Well we'll talk about that in our big CF because Miami had some COVID they were dealing with when they lost to Nashville. Yeah, exactly. And I think You want you wanna do the big CF? Yeah, and to be honest, I think the only way to start this big CF is the Orlando-New York City FC game. You want to start with that? Because that's a, that's a different kind of big CF. That's yeah, not the COVID CF. No, that, I mean, yeah. Do, do we just go with this because it's still playoffs? Yeah, yeah, man. You know what? Go, go for it. Go for it. Tell us All about right. the CF that happened in Orlando. 
Man, so another game. So the third out of five games to go to penalties. And this was the the, the mission that was trying to finish this game. The Eurosnob is in a hizzy about it. I I have watched the entire 22 plus minutes of video that it took to resolve this penalty shootout, which was one six five by the way after 14 penalties. But this ju- it's just all kinds of crazy. So Orlando they win the penalty shootout because of a save made by Rodrigo Schlegel, who is not Zero. a goalkeeper. Never has to buy a drink in Orlando ever again. Ever. He's a defender, had to pull on a blank goalkeeping shirt, which is blank no longer because you can now buy a Rodrigo Schlegel (laughs) goalkeeping jersey from the official Orlando website, which is just 10 out of 10 (laughs) to their marketing. Which if, you know, if pot on you, Orlando City exists and they were, they had a pre-match poll about which player will have an uptick in jersey sales because of people impulsively buying their jersey after we win? I don't think they would have picked Schlegel. Uh, no, I don't think so either. So why is Schlegel such a hero, James? So he's such a hero because of the, to be honest, debacle that went on in the penalty shootout. And there's a lot to deconstruct here, so I'm going to try and make it as simple as possible. The end result of course, is the officiating crew will not work in another playoff game <laughs> this season. But but it all kind of stems around the fact that Orlando's goalkeeper had already picked up a yellow card before they went into the penalty shootout. The rules, as they were the old rules for penalty shootouts, because they've been updated and they've actually been changed this year, but because the MLS started at the start of this year, the MLS still goes by the old rules, which is... A goalkeeper's foot must be on the line for a penalty when the ball is struck. So your foot either has to be on the line, behind the line, but at least one foot has to be touching the line. And the old law says, if your foot is not on the line, you receive a yellow card. So the new law, which comes in next year, means that you get a caution first, and then you would get a yellow afterwards. So... Orlando's goalkeeper saves this ball, which puts Orlando into the next round. Orlando's coach runs the entire length of the field up the tunnel because he's he's like, we've won, we've done it, we've moved on to the next round. Whistle blows, goal, uh, referee goes to his headset. They look back at the replay. The goalkeeper's feet were not on the line. Automatic yellow card, second yellow card, red card gets sent off. So your goalkeeper's been sent off in the middle of a penalty shootout. There are no substitutes in a penalty shootout, but Orlando's reserve keeper gets substituted on, sets up in goal ready for the penalty, only to be told that he's not allowed to be substituted on, only to be told he is allowed to be on, only to be told he's not allowed to be on, with a lot of referee talking to upstairs so he's on he's not on he's on he's not on finally they give rodrigo schlegel the shirt and the gloves well i I love this part of the story because schlegel's just like hey i used to play goalkeeper when i was an academy player and 
later you find out that it was like one day. <laughs> one day at the academy, <laughs> he played goalkeeper. Not like consistently. Not like I just found out that James consistently played goalkeeper as a high schooler. It was this one time he played goalkeeper. <laughs> this one time at Football Academy. So, yeah, he then basically has to defend penalties. And they're still only at, I think they were at four, four all at this point. Yeah, so it was four all because Nani misses a penalty at the end of time. So it's four all, then we go to sudden death. This is when all this, uh, you know, big CF happens. Goal goes in on each side. Then Rodrigo becomes the hero by saving a penalty. So which now, of course, Orlando think they've won already. But of course, they have to take another penalty. They bury it. They win. 22 minutes later, after the penalty shootout started, they move on to the next round. And it was so long that the Columbus game had actually already started. And they were still in this penalty shootout. And yeah, I mean, that's just another big, that's just another difference CF that is. (laughs) <laughs> just a mess um, so no one's going to forget that penalty shootout for a while no no and I don't buy I don't buy a lot of jerseys and the jerseys I actually I do have quite a few jerseys they're just they're all like on clearance like whatever I don't impulsively buy jerseys like James did the other day with his Robin Hood jersey if Something like that happened where an emergency goalkeeper was ever the hero for Minnesota United or Chelsea or something like that. I 100% would be one of those people impulsively buying that jersey. So good job, marketing team. Good job. Let's get to just the rest of the big CF. (laughs) The normal big CF. The normal big CF. All about COVID, right? So the MLS did announce that if a team is unable to play, Due to COVID running through their team, they will have to forfeit during the MLS playoffs. Hopefully that does not happen. We already do have a couple of examples of teams that were not were not at full strength due to COVID. Miami FC, three players missing due to COVID, including two who are probable starters. And they, of course, lost to Nashville three to nothing. Not really a big deal. I don't think many people had Miami going far in their brackets. LAFC will be missing three or four players, including Golden Boot winner Diego Rossi due to COVID. What's crazy is these players caught COVID while away on international duty. That sucks. And in the case of Diego Rossi for for Chile, he didn't even play. He didn't even play for Chile. He was just called up. Didn't even get a cap catches COVID, and is now missing the MLS playoffs. And I mean, Seattle is a hard enough task as it is, never mind the fact that you're missing the Golden Boot winner, who's just probably having a really terrible two weeks. So, So we'll see if LAFC is able to fight back. If LAFC does survive Seattle, that is another team with a lower seed than Minnesota United, who you could find in a situation where they're traveling north. All right, man. This is one of our longer episodes. Let's close things off. So our next game, December 1st or 2nd, 
at Sporting Kansas City. Let's hope for that win so we don't have to watch Tiger King again, man. <laughs> yeah, and then, yeah, you, be, you better believe it. But then uh, closer to that is this Friday, uh, the U.S. women's national team uh, will be playing here in the Netherlands, in uh, Breda, which will be, uh, for you American guys, 11.30 Central, ESPN2. You can uh, catch that game as the... Uh, uh, that is going to be a very good game, by the way. Like, Netherlands won the Euros. U.S. Women's National Team won the World Cup. Um, I believe they beat the Netherlands in the final. Yeah, it was the final. So, yeah, I mean, that's two very, very, very good teams uh, playing up against each other. So, um, I mean, there will be no fans. So you can't go and cheer on Rose Lavelle? <laughs> No, no, I cannot. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's going to be. Um, I think it's going to be interesting. It's six thirty my time, so I'll, I'll I'll tune in to watch it as well. I think. Well, all right, James. Thank you for joining me tonight. I know it's late and you got to get to bed, but man, hopefully we're this jacked when we talk next week. Either, either on the. F- Second or the third, right, is when we're going to be recording next. So, yep, yeah, and I mean, I mean, I'm just, I'm just jacked for this whole playoffs. I get it, I get the tournament thing. These playoffs <laughs> have been like so, so good so far. I just hope it continues, man. One random person calls you a Euro snob, and now, <laughs> now you're ready to buy into the American way of doing things. <laughs> playoffs for every sport. Yeah. No, ma'am. Let's uh, let's go get a win and uh, continue the form and uh, head to the conference final. Right on, man. Hey, pot on your loons. Pot on your loons. Peace. <laughs>